Poetry on Air with Sheboygan Poet Laureate Lisa Vihos. Hi, I'm Lisa Vihos, and this is Poetry on Air, a program of Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, in which we explore poetry and the meaning, inspiration, and healing it brings to our lives. My guest today is Heather Hanlon. Heather's poems have appeared in journals, zines, and art exhibitions throughout Wisconsin. As a graduate student at UW-Milwaukee, she has also published articles that focus on functional and contemporary art practice. She is currently working as a museum professional at the Museum of Wisconsin Art, and she's interested in how the practice of art and art engagement can be a form of social healing, which is an awesome topic, and I hope we hmm. get to talk more about that. Welcome, Heather. Yay, thank you for having me, Lisa. It's great to have you here. Um, so, you know, as usual, we, we start with some poems that have been inspirational to you. And what do you want to start with? I think I will start with where it all began for me. Okay. With Walt Whitman. Nice. He's a cliche for a reason. <laughs> Uh, and I have a poem here called To a Stranger. Should I dive in? Please dive in. Okay. To a Stranger. Passing stranger, you do not know how longingly I look upon you. You must be he I was seeking or she I was seeking. It comes to me as of a dream. I have somewhere surely lived a life of joy with you. All is recalled as we flit by each other, fluid, affectionate, chaste, matured. You grew up with me, were a boy with me, or a girl with me. I ate with you and slept with you. Your body has become not yours only, nor left my body, mine only. You give me the pleasure of your eyes, face, flesh as we pass. You take of my beard, breast, hands in return. I am not to speak to you. I am to think of you when I sit alone or wake at night alone. I am to wait. I do not doubt I am to meet you again. I am to see to it that I do not lose you. Hmm. It's beautiful. I think that this poem definitely changed things a little bit for me. Yeah, when did you come upon it? So I came upon Walt Whitman my junior year of high school, actually. Mm-hmm. And were you already writing poetry at that moment in your life? No. So at that time, my junior in high school, a couple of people from my high school class passed away. And oh my, goodness. my English teacher changed his whole process for our class. Wow. Sort of in response to that. And instead of doing quizzes and tests and worksheets, he had us do some more project-based learning pieces, some more like broad uh-huh. aerial view kinds of things with what we were learning. And at the time we were doing transcendentalism. Uh-huh. So we were reading Henry David Thoreau, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Walt Whitman. And I had always really liked reading and writing, but as a student, I guess, but this kind of started to transcend mm. school for me. Interesting. And I asked for this book that I'm holding right now for Christmas. And I think my parents were like, oh, she wants like a book of poetry for Christmas as a teenager. Sounds great. So I got it. <laughs> and this was not a poem that we went through um, in school. We did his more classic hits. Okay. But To a Stranger was one that I came upon on my own. 
Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of notes in this book, but this poem, even though it's probably my favorite Walt Whitman poem, I don't know. Is it my favorite Walt Whitman poem? I don't There's know. There's so many, right? There's so many. What Louisiana. What is it? Is there yeah. something specific in this poem that really grabs your grabs you? And Yeah, I think what really grabbed me was, you know, as a teenager, the vastness of the world is just starting to come upon you because you think that you know like the whole world as a kid it's yeah. like your house right and right. then your neighborhood and all of a sudden it's it's the whole world and I had done a little bit of traveling and I had started running a lot and just like mm. passing by people in the street and thinking about the depths of experiences that I was having or missing out on with people and yeah. there's so much as a teenager in your life, that's still a mystery. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a real sense of wonder um, going through this as well as almost a sense of loss. So like when you're growing, you're not a child anymore and you can't have these same kinds of interactions where the whole world was just a single place or the single person. Interesting. Like as you grew up with me, we're a boy with me, we're a girl with me. Mm-hmm. And it's almost communing with everybody in that way yes. as if everyone belongs with you and then at the same time it feels so personal at the end i'm to see to it that i do not lose you right uh, yeah as if but i and i also thought the, the two lines right before the last line i am not to speak to you yeah i am to wait and it was kind of like mm, stranger so there was this connection to the stranger and that they had you know every all these things had been shared and yet i don't actually know you stranger right. but i I must not lose you, which it yeah. just, it's all this kind of back and forth. It's Something very cool. That's weird about Walt Whitman is that all of his books of poetry are called Leaves of Grass. Mm-hmm. And then the differences are like the year that it was published, oh. as far as I know. And so hmm. the different, how we classify, how we, I learned to classify his different publications were the me phase, you know, Song of Myself, the us phase which is more relational, and then the all of us phase. And this feels very all of us. It feels very much like we are all these leaves, Mm. these strands, these pieces of grass. And Mm. we're somehow like had this childhood together as uh, like spatial beings on Earth. and But now we're strangers. Like we're adults, so we have to like go through all this rigmarole to get to know each other. And I'm just (laughs) not to speak to you. Yeah. It's interesting. It really opened up a lot of... I th- it made me think about a lot of things, just this, this little short poem. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it. Thank you for talking to me about it. Yeah. I haven't talked about Walt Whitman in a long time. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, I think it's a game changer for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it always feels like a cliche when I talk about him, but I never mind. Hey, it's good. Yeah. The next poem I know you were thinking about reading also has quite m- made me think a lot. Um, mm. So the, I forget oh. the poet's name. <laughs> yeah, but you can I have it. you can yes. tell us. <laughs> Aga Shahid Ali. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's from the book Call Me Ishmael Tonight, which is a reference to Islam. Mm-hmm. So this poem is called God. God. Of all things, he's the King Allah, King God. Then why this fear of idolizing God? Outgun Chechens hold off Russian tanks. They have a prayer. Are you listening, God? 
I begged for prayers to the surgeon's answer, my heart alone, against terrorizing God. Masked, I hold him enthralled, who's harmed me most. I will hurt him as he's been hurting God. So what make you of cosmic background noise? Well, there's Yanni, Mai, and Ling, God. A butterfly's wings flutter in the rain, in which storm looms the fabricating God. I believe in prayer and the need to believe, even the great nothing-signifying God. Of fidelity, I've made such high style that, jealous of my perfect devotion, even the angels come down from heaven and beg, beg me to stop worshiping God. How come you simply do not age, Shahid? Well, I wish everyone well, including God. Very interesting poem. The thing, this is a certain form, a form that you've talked with me a bit about. I found out about this poet in college when I was um, taking a Poetic Forms creative writing workshop class. Mm -hmm. And each week we would read a different book of poetry and that included the form that we were studying. Okay. And I had never heard of this one and I hadn't heard of a lot of them. Tell us his name again. Yeah. Uh, um, Aga Shahid Ali. Okay. And the form. And I might not be getting the um, accents perfect That's in okay. that, but the form is called Guzzle. A Guzzle. Yep. So we spent a week talking about and working on Guzzles. Mm -hmm. And this one really, this book, and then I think because of the themes in this book, this form started to really speak to me mm -hmm. because I grew up in a home that spent a lot of time at church and with the Bible. Mm -hmm. And this was sort of an intervention where, I mean, the Bible, I guess, gives you plenty of permissions to question and think divergently, but it just didn't happen a lot, I mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I was going through this book, a lot of it is about God, because at the time that Shahid Ali was writing a lot of these poems. He had a brain tumor. And I think that he was feeling emboldened to speak about God however he needed to. And mm -hmm. he felt able to ask questions. And I felt very liberated by his ability to do that because the book is just chock full of questions that maybe I let him ask for me. And then some of the really like powerful relational language makes speaking about this larger deity, something that's more intimate. Mm -hmm. I haven't told you anything about the form yet, actually, <laughs> just about the writer. Should I speak yeah, a little bit about, about the, the form? form. Okay. Yeah. So, so I was, hopefully when I read it, people can tell where the couplets end. So a guzzle is formed in syntactically and conceptually complete couplets mm -hmm. so there isn't really any like enjambment between the section the, the each little each couplet, couplet yeah. is its own separate thing yes exactly and you should be able to read that couplet as if it's a, its own poem too mm -hmm. and kind a couplet like being a, two lines just yes in thank case anybody's you. wondering yes it's <laughs> kind of like a good uh syndicated tv series like you can pick it up wherever right but it's great if you watch it all in a row or yes. all together, then you can really get to know the characters. Mm -hmm. So complete couplets, each 
second line, each concluding line of the couplet ends with the same word. So in this one, the word was God. And he usually selects to name each poem that word. Okay. Except in the first couplet, both lines end with oh, that the is special right. word. Yes. Yeah. And I noticed there's, after one, two, three, four, five, six, seven couplets, there's actually four lines. Yeah. What's up with that? So <laughs> I, okay. It's like a yum, 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 double yum, yum, couplet yum. or something. Love that. So <laughs> something that I love about poetry is when there's a form and mm-hmm. then the form is broken. Uh-huh. Because it's such a unique way to mm. communicate something mm-hmm. that poetry allows us to do. So breaking in this poem, we have, like you said, all couplets. And then there's this chunk yeah. right before the final couplet. Mm-hmm. There's this chunk of four. So what's my interpretation of that? I think that he has, you know, followed all the rules he has been idolizing King Allah, King God. And you know where it landed him? It landed him in surgery with this masked doctor holding his life in mm. the doctor's hands. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, laying there on the table, cosmic background noise, thinking mm. about what is this fabricating God? What is the plan here? And then he breaks it. He breaks the rules mm-hmm. and he talks. And I'm not sure if this is just my personal interpretation, but he, he breaks the rules and he's, he breaks it. And the, one of the first words of that brokenness is fidelity. And yes, I value that. I appreciate that he's saying that he's allowed to do that because he's a person. And sometimes it's hard to remember that about yourself, especially. Yeah. You're allowed to be broken, and that can—that's maybe more of an honest thing of being a human than trying to be perfect. It sounds trite the way I say it, so no. It just read the good. poem. By it sounds really Shahid good, Ali. actually. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're listening to Poetry on Air, and my guest today is poet Heather Hanlon. And now we get to hear some of Heather's own work. We've just been talking about guzzles, and I think you have a guzzle to I share. Do. Let's yes. hear. Let's hear where you picked up on this so, form. Uh, it is not a perfect guzzle, and okay. you know, like all of my poems, I consider it a work in progress. Okay, but here's dreams. There's a ghost shepherd that comes in my dreams. The face missing. Can I pray to God in dreams? It's illegal to harbor you, runaway. In my roof, I hear you sleepwalk and pin dreams. The bulb burned out when I prayed for you in bed. An angel band plays in my filament dreams. Not all of what is hidden on top will stay. The truth will fall as weight grows heavy in dreams. How have I been deceived in place and in time? We would meet beneath the steeple and spin dreams. We toss the rock through the angel's stained glass heart. In the sanctuary, the stone weeps, then dreams. Have I been baptized with only dream water? Which were my crimes and penance only in dreams? There is no separate pillager or poet. I dream when I ruin, and I ruin in dreams. How can I shake the dust off my feet? My eyes drowsy my feet unable to begin dreams. 
did the ghost shepherd shake my dust off his feet? Or, on the Sabbath, is there a faceless Heather in his dreams? I love it. Thank I you. Do. I do. I think it's just so, um, it's so rich. And each each couplet, like you said previously, it's as though, you know, the couplet is almost its own little mini poem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really felt that in what you shared in this poem, in dreams. You know, each one had an image to think about. Yeah. Which I thought was really lovely. I think I like this poem also just because... I abandon most of my poems, like a <laughs> large majority of my poems. But this one is the one that I wrote for that class in college. And I haven't abandoned it yet. And I, great. I'm not satisfied with it yet. But oh. I'm like still, it's still my little friend waiting mm. for me. So I can keep working on it. Interesting. Yeah. The poem is never done. No, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that we didn't get to say about the form when you were explaining how the second line of every couplet is always the same word. Yes. And then there's this interesting thing about the penultimate word of the second line, meaning the second to the last word yeah. mm-hmm. of the second line. They rhyme going yeah. down, right? So you've got in dreams, pin dreams, filament dreams. Some of them are cheap. Some of them are a little slant, but mm-hmm. it's kind of the in spin dreams, mm-hmm. then dreams. Begin dreams, yes. his dreams, the it, it, it sound. Yeah, exactly. Which is really cool because it does add to the sort of the rhythm and the sonnet, the so- the way that the poem sounds. Yes. And it's lovely. I feel that rhythm for sure when I'm going through the book and even this guzzle that I've been practicing with. Mm-hmm. I feel that rhythm and it also helps that I think you're supposed to have a similar meter for each line. Oh, yeah. Um, so there are typically me. 11 syllables in yeah. each of these. And so it is very sonnet-like in that mm-hmm. way. And that internal rhyme does kind of make you feel like you're on a train. Yeah, yeah it keeps okay. rolling you along. Yeah. My favorite couplet was, not all of what is hidden on top will stay. Mm. The truth will fall as weight grows heavy in dreams. What makes you say that? I just really like that one. What, like what? not all of what is hidden on top mm. will stay. Like there was a, sort of a paradox happening there. Right. And I like yeah. that. Because it's <laughs> supposed to be hidden. Yeah. But of course you can't keep it hidden. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you wrote this poem as part of a class. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. and it stuck with you. Have you written a lot of guzzles in your no. writing career? You inspire um, me. To, I need to try this form. Okay. Well, I've. I think I wrote one in college. I don't know. I don't have it anymore. I learned it in college. Yeah. I also interesting to me that I haven't written a lot of guzzles because it's certainly one of. It's certainly a poem that I enjoy working on, mm-hmm. but I think I'm just so stuck on this one <laughs> that it's hard to. Break branch free. out, yeah, and I do. I have a couple of other ones, but you know, I've abandoned them. Okay, well, yeah, get back to those because no, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I should. Well, I think one really important thing is picking a good word that you're going to keep repeating. That, it that has is to have true. a lot of depth to it, so it can yes. go in a lot of directions. No I have doubt. thought about doing a guzzle with some really like masterpiece, evil masterpiece of a word too. Mm. I thought that could be fun, um, having like a longer word at the end. <gasps> Or, It'd be tricky. Yeah, a tricky word. Um, mm. Even just as a creative practice. Yeah. Even if the piece itself is. Well, this is the thing that I've been learning myself is like not everything you write is going to be a finished, beautiful oh, poem. Yeah. You have 
have to write a lot of like practice. Mm-hmm. You have to practice. Yes. Like people who play piano, they practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And why should poets be any different? <laughs> I got a chance to meet Billy Collins and when I was at UW-Madison mm-hmm. and he came to my like whatever modern poetry class that I was in mm-hmm. and he talked to us about how people don't want to edit poems and think that you know it's the word of god they're just like writing it on the page which i mean for some people that would works you know but not for me and he said what they might not understand is that you have to write your first 100 bad poems and you have to get those out of the way and then you can start writing poems that are even worth editing and I, I definitely carry that with me. And sometimes I'm, I chalk up like a horrible thing that I write. I'm like, you know, I'll just like put that in my, tuck that away in my 100 horrible. Yeah. Which I'm sure I'm past by now, but. Well, the interesting thing too is when you build up a file of poems that you're kind of, you've left behind. Yeah. And, you know, five years later, 10 years later, you look at them and you're like, yeah, that poem really sucks. But. Yes. This one phrase or this one line, this is kind of cool. I should really kind of pull that one out and work yeah. with it. That is the exact story behind The Bucket of Blood. Oh. I don't know if I should. I think you should jump right to that time? one. Oh, okay. yeah, we do. Let's let's do that poem. <laughs> so The Bucket and the Blood mm-hmm. really is another one like Dreams that mm-hmm. I just can't stop trying to make it what I want it to when be. Did you fr- when did you write it? When did you begin it, would you say? <sighs> That's such a good question. I would say I probably wrote it maybe like six or seven years ago. The last stanza Mm -hmm. is the only real original piece of the poem. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it has kind of been an evolution since then. Oh, interesting. Okay. And the title, I I guess. The Bucket. That was from the beginning? Yeah, that was from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. The Bucket and the Blood. My sister slowly put the glass of consubstantiated liquid to her radiating lips. Sip. We had just been messing around in the pew. The rubber stoppers on the bottom of the knee bumpers covered our eyes as we slipped them off the metal feet to squint them into our sockets. She always beat me. Height, weight, age, play, so her pained face shoving down laughter was a medal of victory. But when she went to drink the bay of wine, she betrayed our play, accidentally becoming something else. For the longest ten seconds, she commanded a god, and I was late, behind again, with the rubber stoppers in the pockets of my dress, now with no magic in them. And she had the power to travel to God. Later, when she broke off her engagement... I toss my arrangement of heavy buckets into the basin, the soup pulp ready to make paper for the invitations. She appeared behind me in our parents' kitchen and quietly watched me pull lamentations of red dye from my palms. My skin was red for days. How can we stave off the taste of this bone-sick drink? You told me that Jesus suffered before he died. And since he was God, he suffered more because he understood his suffering. Then you said, you should have sent flowers. Communion is often too great a burden on the yoke of time and the plow of impossibility, the bucket and the blood swaying to a beat that longs to be emptied. 
Wow. It's uh, it's a story. You know, yeah. There's there's a lot of different things happening. Yes. Like you, you and your sister, little kids playing in the church. Mm-hmm. Your sister breaking off an engagement. Mm-hmm. And these invitations mm-hmm. that were, were to be made, that you were to make. Yeah. But, I mean, and then getting, ending, and then coming back around to communion. Yeah. It's often too great a burden on the yoke of time. I mean, it's the kind of poem that you feel like you need to read many times to, like, keep having the story grow. Yeah. And it's really interesting and lovely. You know, I think I really t- contemplated doing a Billy Collins poem in the beginning. Uh-huh. But I've traveled so far since then that I guess I just didn't put it in. But I think Billy Collins does that a lot, and I really admired that about him. Admire, he's alive. Mm-hmm. He will write the poem and take you to a place where you forget where it started, but you're just going through the story. And then all of a sudden, in the last line, the last stanza, the last section, he reminds you what you're talking about, and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot. I forgot that they were doing communion in the beginning and then at the end. Yeah. I'm talking about communion again, but it feels different. It feels more like I'm talking about communing, you know, relationally here mm-hmm. between people. Yeah. And so I was probably trying to play with that without even without even thinking about Billy Collins, just from his... Yeah, but it I has I mean, a lot that, of poets do that. That transformation happens. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing sometimes that I think when I'm writing, it comes as a surprise. Like, I didn't set out yes. to come around and have the transformation. But, like, yes, sometimes you can catch it and then you can, you know, like, not exacerbate it, but you can support it yes. and make it better. I can't remember the poet that said this, but she said that sometimes a poem just comes out and it's itself already. But sometimes she has to she has to chase after it and oh. catch its tail and then pull it backward. <laughs> and it comes out backward. And that's how it is for me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I will come upon this last line that I really liked. Communion mm-hmm. is often too great a burden, etc. Mm-hmm. But everything before that I basically scratched because it, that's, it took me the whole poem to get there. Yeah. And then I redid the beginning. The beginning. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. come back to it. Mm-hmm. Cycle, I guess. Yeah. Wonderful. Do you want to read the one last poem? It- sure. Yeah. Um, let's hear Hot Rain yeah. 3. Let's yeah, hear it. It doesn't, the title doesn't <laughs> totally make sense. Uh, so I should rename it because I think, like we were just talking about, this last poem mm-hmm. of the series is the one, you know, yeah. that maybe the other two were. You know, it doesn't need to be a triad anymore. No, I don't think so. Okay. This was at a time, I wrote this at a time when I wasn't, I was just kind of writing things and not even trying to so hard to think about why they're poetry got it and then during the pandemic i definitely got reacquainted with a lot of the things that i love about poetry like the special things that poetry can do mm-hmm. but i i like this as a as a place that i was as a writer in the middle kind of maybe even a little bit lost let's hear it all right hot rain three <laughs> i saw the heartbeat of my baby from behind a mask My husband watched through his phone and couldn't make out the new sound or image. The heartbeat looked playful and pretend, and felt similarly pretend since there was no one to tell, in fear of miscarriage, and no one to see, in fear of COVID-19. 
But there we were, two of us in a body, curling our fingerprints around what we can touch and learning to wait, piece by piece, cell by cell, blood by blood for the next small thing to change. Beautiful. I love the ending. <laughs> yeah. It's I, so beautiful. I like talking about that really intimate touch between, mm. you know, a fetus, I guess, mm -hmm. a baby and the mother. Yeah. And Can't get more intimate than that. That's the truth. <laughs> that's very much the truth. Yeah. And at, it was at a time, so I got pregnant at a time. Not that all poems need to be autobiographical, but this one so happens to be. It was at a time when we couldn't touch anything yeah. because we didn't know how COVID spread. Right. We couldn't touch anything. People were like letting their groceries sit out and we were wearing masks. And it was so yeah. weird, you know, watching this person unencumbered <laughs> just growing inside of me. And Right. Not socially distanced. Not socially distanced. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. Do you have a website? So... Or a place Someday. where people can find your... Okay. Yes, because it's still a work in progress. And I am going to be teaching two classes at Word Haven, a new bookstore in Sheboygan. Yes. And they're actually both Poetic Forms classes. And I can give you the dates on those. Okay. Sunday, July 10th. Okay. Is that Abbasidarian oh. Poetry Form mm -hmm. workshop mm -hmm. from 3 until 4. Mm -hmm. And... August 13th, Saturday, from 3 until 4.30, it's going to be the guzzle form. I'm coming. So sure. come on over. Yeah. Well, thank you for being my guest today. And thank you, listener, for joining us. And if you have ideas for the show, please reach out to me at poetlaureatesheboygan at gmail.com. And please join us again next time for Poetry on Air. You have been listening to Poetry on Air, hosted by Sheboygan's Poet Laureate, Lisa Vihos. Questions or comments can be directed to Lisa at poetlaureatesheboygan at gmail.com. Poetry on Air is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org. Mm -hmm.